Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the Patreon members. Tavia S., Victoria Dyer, Tina Mead, Nancy Wallace, Mana Ash, Interscare Wifey, Felicia Scott, Sandy Cleveland, House of Jen, and the rest are right here on the screen. Thank you all so much for becoming a part of the new membership. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes right here on YouTube or join the Patreon family, or if you would like to support me as a content creator, you can buy me a coffee. All of that information can be found in the description below. Now, before I get started with today's video, I must explain the first eight stories will be real encounters. After that, I will read real stories, but in interview style. And the last segment will be notoriously famous houses across the United States. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Haunted House Stories. Right after this intro, there will be an ad. I'll read the first story, and then there'll be an ad. Afterwards, there will be no more ads within this video. Home Alone on more than one occasion. I heard silverware rattling in the drawer downstairs in the kitchen. Snuck downstairs on one occasion and slowly crept to the kitchen door, silverware still clanging. Just as I began to peek into the kitchen, I heard the drawer slam shut. No one was there. A friend brought her keyboard to our house, set it up in the family room, and started playing Christmas tunes. After a tune or two, the temperature dropped noticeably in the room, and my border collie looked up at the ceiling with that it's-great-to-see-you look on his face. Sitting in the family room with my dad watching TV and saw the shadowy silhouette of a woman move slowly from left to right across the room on the wall above the fireplace. My dad woke up in the middle of the night to pee and when he stepped out of the bathroom, he heard the voice of a young girl cry, Mama. I fell asleep on the family room sofa for 30 minutes. I woke up to find the floor strewn with popcorn, which we always kept in the kitchen pantry. I was home alone. My dad woke up in the night and noticed my mom across the room looking out the window. He was just about to speak to her when he felt my actual mom stir next to him on the bed. He said he just pulled the blanket over his head and finally went back to sleep. We lived in New Jersey on a property that was occupied by a family-run tavern in the early 1800s. We never felt threatened but it was spooky from time to time. When I was little, I had a loft bed with a desk underneath. I've always been a pretty heavy sleeper. I could fall asleep at a concert, so it was strange when I began waking up at 3 in the morning every morning. What was even more strange were the noises coming from the attic. Shuffling, knocking, boxes moving. My nine-year-old brain rationalized it as an animal or bird that had gotten in. After a few weeks of shit sleep, 
I decided to knock back on the ceiling. The shave and haircut pattern because I was bored and hadn't interacted with whatever was in the attic. I waited in silence for a few minutes until I was about to fall back asleep, and then I heard it. From the ceiling, a foot from my face, it knocked back the pattern. Every night when I woke up, I'd knock and sometimes get a response. It gradually stopped over the years, but I still wake up at 3 a.m. every night. It's weird, but it only happens in my room. I sleep fine in hotels and other houses. 13 years later, and I've just been getting weird vibes around my house. I feel like I'm being watched. I sometimes hear someone saying my name, most notably before bed, and whatever said, it is very close to my ear. I can feel their breath as they whisper, and it freaks me out so much that it takes hours to get back to sleep. The shuffling in the attic also started up again, but I don't want to knock back anymore. There's a lot of weird shit that happens. Things get moved. My dogs and cats stare at the same blank spot, but these are just what's been currently happening. I just don't know what to do anymore. I was about 18 and had moved out of home. Coincidentally, my friend had moved into the house next door to my mom. My friend had a house party like he did most weekends. The night had drawn to a close, and with nowhere to sleep, I decided to crash at my mom's house. No one was home, but I had a set of keys and let myself in. Got settled in one of the rooms, and after about ten minutes... I could hear someone breathing at the end of the bed. I was very drunk and decided to ignore it. The next day, my family came home. I told them how drunk I was, that it sounded like someone was breathing in the room. I didn't disclose where the sound was coming from. To which my mom relayed that she had heard it too and had a medium check the room. The medium confirmed that there was an old man at the end of the bed. He wasn't sinister and enjoyed relaxing in that particular spot. I live with my grandparents for a bit and am convinced their house is haunted. Multiple times I would see someone walking past my doorway. I had a basement room in a partially finished basement and would think it was my grandma until I remembered I was home alone. The couple times my grandma was home when it happened, she claimed she hadn't been downstairs in days and I believe her, she avoided stairs when she could. Also, the person never went up the stairs, always just down the stairs and never made a sound. My grandma is a stomper when she walks. But there would be a silhouette of a person passing the doorway and a shadow across the wall from the thing crossing in front of the window. I kept the door closed when I was in my room after a while. One time my sister slept over and one was still sleeping in my bed 
and my other sister and I were going to creep her out by making grudge noises from the doorway. When the shadow went by, we both jerked upright and looked around because we were the only ones in the area. So we went to the window to see if one of us had made the shadow based off lighting, but we couldn't replicate it. We were discussing alternatives for how it could have happened when the shadow passed again. My sister and I both shut my door after that. My door would open and close on its own. I like to keep it closed to avoid seeing the figure creeping by. But randomly, it would just open up, or when I would wake up, my door would be wide open. Or, if I was grabbing something quick, I would turn around to a closed door, and I was purposefully trying to leave it open, so I could rush out of there without seeing anything. One time, I was home alone for the weekend, and hiding in my room, when I heard a loud crash, so I snuck upstairs to investigate and there was a picture in the middle of the hallway. It had fallen out of the guest room upstairs. Two things wrong with this, though. The notch in the back was the type where you'd have to lift it up off the nail that was still in the wall, and where the picture has landed wasn't possible even if it had just fallen off the wall, because it had to go around a corner to make it into the hallway, and there was only one crash, so it didn't bounce out there. Whatever it was, it always seemed more playful than malicious. Not my house, but my best friend's back when we were growing up. His family lived in a hundred-plus-year-old farmhouse out in the country that was haunted but they all treated it like it was completely normal. I've never been one to believe in the paranormal, and since my friend was always a good one for pranks and duping me, I wasn't buying it when he told me it was haunted. He told me some of the commonplace things that would happen all the time to him and his family, like objects moving randomly, cabinets and doors opening unassisted, the feeling that someone is just on the edge of your peripheral vision, but when you turn to look, no one would be there. Inexplicable cold breezes when windows weren't open, those sorts of things. I experienced a few things like that when we hung out there, but they were easy to dismiss as something explainable, so I didn't fully believe the house was haunted. I didn't mind hanging out there, but there was an odd vibe to the house I can't really describe. Because I was skeptical and he kept insisting strange things happen in the house, I wanted to throw him under the bus and got brave enough one time to ask his mom about the hauntings right in front of him. I thought she would downplay it or tell me he was full of BS, but she sort of shrugged and said they've all gotten used to it and the occurrences were always harmless. Not the response I expected, but I did let myself become a little less skeptical after that. I finally accepted the hauntings were a real thing, one of the last times I stayed the night at his house before they moved. In the kitchen, there was a door with a hook latch that led down to the basement and crawlspace where they kept all the things they pickled and canned. 
Again, the house was old, so the wall that the door was on had a noticeable lean, which meant the door could only rest in the shut position or be completely open and against the wall. If you held it straight out, it would either slam shut or slam against the wall. It was late one night, and we were up playing Halo on Xbox after his parents went to bed. In the midst of playing, he stopped and said, Look, 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 while nodding towards the kitchen. I could faintly hear the latch come undone and turn my head just in time to watch that basement door slowly open, past the midpoint, then slam against the wall as if someone just let go of it. It didn't faze my friend in the least, and he got right back to the game after it happened. Since I was immersed in the game as well, I didn't take the time to really acknowledge what happened. I remember going upstairs to sleep that night, and lying awake trying to make sense of what I had just seen. Partly trying to think of a logical explanation. Partly scared because I've never witnessed anything like it before. That was back when we were in middle school, and now we're in our mid-thirties. I attended a research university, pride myself on being a critical thinker, trusting empirical knowledge and making sense of the world around me with an evidence-based approach. To this day, I cannot explain how that door opening could be possible without assistance. I know it was just a door opening 20 years ago. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of paranormal videos of doors inexplicably opening, and largely I have a hard time believing them. But yet, when I think about my experience, I'm convinced something paranormal made it happen. My old house, two houses ago. My husband is in the military and leaves for weeks and months at a time. He has TDY, had been gone about three weeks at the time, and I tucked our girls in and went to bed. I read for a bit, made sure the girls were asleep, and then got back into bed. I pulled the blanket up, snugged in, and felt my husband crawl into bed next to me and hug me. Like one of those hugs that are filled with love, protection, and just, they're the best kind of hugs when in bed. I felt so safe, so warm and loved, and I sort of wallowed in the hug for a moment, until it hit me that no one was in the room with me. I didn't get freaked out though, because it really wasn't that scary. Another thing that would happen there was seeing a little girl in a white frilly dress out of the corner of my eyes. Only when hubby was gone though, never when he was home. The girls had instances as well. They both played with the little girl, but neither told each other about it or my husband and I. Not until years later, and my youngest asked about the blonde neighbor girl we had that always wore white dresses. She was three, four, and five when at this house. And my oldest was all, yeah, what was her name? She'd played before bedtime a lot and then would go home. Then, when we moved from the house, I had left my pillow there and ran back to get it. 
and went upstairs, grabbed it, and then stopped on the landing of the stairs, and just stood a moment, and then said, Buy house. Because you could feel it there, and seconds later, I felt like something wanted to push me down the stairs, so I booked it out of there. I didn't say anything to anyone because I figure I was just going crazy. My husband went a week later to take all the final garbage out and stopped on the landing as well and just looked around and then did the same thing, said, bye, you were a great house, and he felt like he was going to get pushed down the stairs as well. Only he flew home and told me, didn't care if he was seen as crazy or not. That's when we started talking about the weird stuff that would happen, but never connected it to it being haunted. Other little things. Going in the basement at night, you'd be overcome with a feeling of utter dread, and we took to doing laundry during the day only. The cats would stare at spots that had nothing in them and puff up for no reason. Overall, it was not a bad house. We loved it there but moved due to horrible neighbors that ugged up the neighborhood to the point we couldn't stay. Parties every night, loud fights, etc. All in all, I hope the new tenants of that house know what they're in for. We bought a house where the original owner had a stroke in our bedroom. He stayed alive for about a year in the hospital and passed away a couple months before we obtained ownership. It was a hell of a process getting the house, but that's another story. The first couple of nights we had some strange things happening. I chalked it up to first time ownership and not used to our surroundings. I woke up twice talking to someone. Another morning, my husband got up to go to work, and he closed our door and went into the kitchen. My dogs were in the mudroom, and I 100% thought I heard him let them out. I could hear the tick-tick-tick of their nails hitting the floor and coming down the hallway. Then I heard a growl, and I was startled, and woke up to find the hallway lights off and the dogs still in the mudroom. About a weekend, I went to my morning job, and when I came home, I smelled floral perfume, and my first thought was that the previous owner's daughter must have came into our house. So I called my husband and told him to buy new locks, because I'm pretty sure that someone came in without asking. But he replied with, I smelled that when I went to work at 5 a.m. I froze because I never smelt it when I left for work, and I left it around 8. He said it was probably my laundry detergent, but I don't buy floral detergent, and it does not smell like that. So, as years went by, small things would happen. I'd hear bangs, knockings, I would see shadows in the corner of my eye. I even had our kitchen window open in the middle of winter. My dog was pushed off the couch and wouldn't go back up on there. Outside, a door would constantly be open and it drove me nuts. One day would be the shop, one day would be the barn, and another day would be the garage. And I always have a habit of double-checking doors to make sure they are closed. Recently, I woke up to our office door open. I usually keep it closed because I need darkness when I sleep 
and we don't have proper curtains in there, then the light just shines in. Yeah, there's other stuff, but this list is getting too long. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Finally, I can tell all of my stories. I'll go through the little stuff leading up to a couple of the major events that happened in my house. So, for backstory, I live in a house I grew up in and inherited. My grandfather died upstairs in one of the two bedrooms up there, in what is now a glamour room. When I was somewhere around eight years old, I remember being very afraid of him. Then, about four years ago, I found my dad passed away after doing a wellness check on him downstairs in the dining room. That was when I completely renovated the house with the intent to sell. But after seeing it with a nice new facelift, I couldn't let it go and decided to move in. Some activity information. I noticed spikes of activity, I'm going to call it. I've never been a believer in spirits or ghosts of any sort. I rely on facts and science to prove things, but some of this stuff, along with the major events, have me stumped. And now, I've just had to settle on the thought that energy from my father has gotten trapped in a loop downstairs. And upstairs, I'm still unsure of. But I do believe the activity relating to upstairs versus downstairs are different and come from the deaths of the people who died in that story of the house. So, anyway, these spikes of activity, I noticed things happen gradually, with an increase in severity, starting small and then becoming a major activity event. Over the course of three months-ish, and then everything goes away for about six months, the major activity event which usually is, I've noticed, the end of a string of building up events, have caused me to reach out to people to do a Ghost Hunters-esque type thing on the house. But by the time I hear back from them, I noticed everything stops, so I leave it alone. We are currently in an active phase, but anyway, let me explain the different events now. Small Activity Examples One very common small thing is I will be cooking in the kitchen next to the dining room and I'll set down mixing bowls or like a ladle, usually one of those two things, and I'll turn around to prep meat on the other counter and when I turn back to grab it, it's gone. This makes me feel insane and I have spent around an hour searching the entire house and all the cabinets and the drawers for it before turning around again after finally being like, well, never mind, I don't know where it went, and going back to cooking, and then it's back in its original position. This small event made me check my carbon monoxide detector. 
Another one is Sounds of Static with Talking, like a walkie-talkie from behind my headboard. The wall is against the dining room where my dad died. Both me and my ex-husband heard it while we were laying down to sleep with everything off. I know my father died with the stereo on with music playing, which he kept in the dining room against the wall my headboard is on. I researched things and read some crazy shit about how an overhead fan turned on can pick up radio signals, and I chalked it up to that. Another one recently has been my TV turning on by itself at around 2 or 3 a.m. and waking up me and my current fiancé. The volume is always turned to max at 100 when this happens, and it scares us awake. We do not watch TV at that volume. This has happened two or three times now. It's a newer event. We also have our living room lights. There are two that are built in to a very, very high ceiling that turn on both with one switch. And lately, when we are watching TV and turn them off, one will turn on by itself. Only when we are sitting there, though, This has never happened when we turn off the lights to go to bed, but it will repeatedly happen while we sit there. I have had an electrician come out to check for a short and check the wiring, and he found nothing wrong. Footsteps, running, and walking upstairs. These go from our loft to the glamour room only, and it's a very obvious sound. Those are the rooms my grandfather would be in. This will be very relevant for a major activity event discussed in a bit. Another thing upstairs is when I am in the glamour room. I constantly hear a phone vibrating like it's ringing and then it will stop. There is a door to the attic from that closet that also connects to the garage, and I've checked it for phones. But any phone up there would have died. I do keep my dad's ashes and cell phone in that closet, but... His phone has long died and does not turn on. Major Activity Events I can really pull only two things that I would consider major events, and after these have happened, activity has disappeared for months. The first that happened was about six months after I moved in, and the disappearing kitchen shit started. Then the next week or so was the radio walkie-talkie sound from behind the headboard. About three nights after that, my now ex-husband and I were laying in bed and trying to go to sleep. Something pounded on the kitchen sliding glass door. Three large bangs. We both shot up in bed, and he grabbed a baseball bat. We do not keep guns. And went to go look. It sounded like someone was trying to break in or break the glass. We have ring cameras installed around the whole house that alert us to any and all activity, and we checked those and there was no motion in the backyard, and you could clearly see the patio door when the sound occurred. There was nothing there. When we investigated the door, there was a handprint from like, hmm, like if you press your face up against glass and your breath fogs it and it leaves an imprint. I took a picture and we spoke about calling the police, but didn't due to the fact that no one was there. So we went to bed, and the next day investigated how the noise happened. 
I had him pound on the door the same way from the outside, open-handed and closed-handed, then the same from the inside. The sounds were completely different, and we both immediately could hear the sound was a flat open hand, but came from inside. I could only come up with maybe the energy trap for my dad's last day or routine or something is what all of that was. I still don't know. Mm-mm-mm. The next major event was about six months later, after a string of smaller activity things. Mostly the footsteps and upstairs stuff like the phone vibrating. One night at around two, I was woken up to what sounded like running around upstairs. My son was two or three at the time, and his room was across from the glamour room. So I got up in full mom mode, ready to go catch his little butt and put him back to bed. I go upstairs and open his door. He's sound asleep. So I freaked out a bit and decided to slowly turn around and open the glamour room door. I will never forget this as long as I live. When I opened the door, everything was dark from the lights being off, but the closet for that room is directly across from the entrance door, and I swear on my life, there was a little red light, like from a recording camera, and I heard a phone notification go off, like the old school Jurassic Park phone notification. I slammed that door shut, grabbed my son, wake up ex-husband, and have him investigate. There was no one. At this point, I am convinced we have a squatter in our attic, so I have my ex-husband drill the freaking access door shut to the attic. The next day, we investigate, and there's no one in there, nor signs of anyone having been in there. It would set off our ring camera to access the garage if they broke in and got up there. But once I drilled that door shut, it all stopped. All the phone vibrating up there, along with footsteps. So, the latest major event that's not that major compared to the other two is late at night. My, like, organizer that holds all the -the over-the-counter medication in my pantry, which is on a shelf against the wall, which is like this and has solid two inches of shelf in front of it. It's not hanging off. Somehow completely pushed itself off the shelf in the middle of the night. Woke up my new fiancé and I. This was about a week after the lights and the TV turning on event. It might actually be a small event because we are still having the lights thing happen. So there it all is. Like I said, I have contracted ghost hunter types, but the activity will go away. I'll answer questions, and I like other people's theories because, like I said, I don't believe in ghosts, and I'm looking for some type of explanation for these things. Also, I need to add, I can tell which event is a major event because it stops all activity, and whatever type of small activity led up to that major event never happens again. Like the footsteps and phone vibrating never happened again after that second event. The kitchen items gone missing and the walkie-talkie sound never happened again after the banging. 
We are currently in the TV turning on and light turning on, even though it's off phase, and waiting for whatever major event is to come. I also smell a lot of scents randomly, and it'll go away. Like the smell of my dad's bathroom after smoking pot and trying to cover the scent. Or his cologne, and it'll just be a second, and I can't smell it anymore. Alright dear listeners, this is the segment of this video in which I will be reading about haunted houses in the interview style. Here we go. Katie. First up, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Katie. I'm 21 and from Devon and a digital marketing executive. Where do you stand on the supernatural? Is it something you've always believed in? Or is it something that you became engaged with or interested in once you've experienced it firsthand? I've always been very open with the supernatural. I've always believed that there had to be some sort of life after death. What property were you living in at the time and were you aware of its interesting history? The house I was living in was called the Old Mill. My parents and I moved there when I was 14. It was a converted mill that still had a water wheel on the side. It didn't move, it had been inactive for some time. Along with all the cogs and workings of the wheel inside, it's been various different mills in its time. A sawmill, a paper mill, and a flour mill. It was converted into a house in the 1950s, but the oldest parts of the house date back to the 12th century. Did you ever experience a feeling when you were viewing the property prior to moving in? I never really sensed anything when we viewed the house. I just found the history of the building fascinating, and it was a beautiful house, so I was excited to move there. When did you first suspect the property you lived in was haunted and that it wasn't just a one-off incident? It was about six months after we moved that this man first appeared to me in my bedroom. I remember the first time I saw him. I thought someone had broken in. I remember screaming and yelling to my parents, there's someone in the house. But by the time they got there, he had vanished. We searched the house, nothing, no signs of him. I was a bit freaked out for a while and I thought maybe my mind was just playing tricks on me. But then I saw him again about a week later in the exact same spot in the corner of my bedroom. I remember I was home alone and screaming, What do you want? Still at this point thinking it was someone breaking in. I remember scrambling for my phone ready to dial 999. But then he spoke to me and said, I just want to be friends. I used to live here. I just want to visit and see what you've done with the place. So, I asked him, when did he leave here? And that's when he said, 1874. I thought he was kidding, but then I noticed his clothing, and it was very old-fashioned, very Victorian era. In a brown suit, holding a top hat, I screamed again and ran out into the garden. Then, when I went back in, 
he was gone. I was so freaked out. I didn't tell my parents because they would think I was out of my mind and seeing things. The next time he reappeared, he told me his name was Arthur. I always found it strange that he appeared in the exact same spot in the corner of my room. I also noticed he had a lot of bruising around his neck. I asked him about it once, but he looked very sheepish and then disappeared. He didn't look that old, maybe in his 40s. At the time, I was going through a rough spell with depression. He started appearing every time my head was in a dark place, and he started encouraging these negative thoughts and feelings. This is when I realized he wasn't just a spirit visiting somewhere he used to live. I felt he had caught on to the negative energy around me and encourage it to make him stronger. This is when I told my parents. I think that they thought it was just voices in my head to do with my mental health. We sought medical help, but I just felt that nobody took it seriously. That's when we decided we needed to move out of the house. The thing was, as soon as I left the house, it all stopped. He left me alone. The voices stopped. That's how I knew I wasn't simply going mad or having some sort of episode. When I told him we were moving, he was very angry and told me, You're mine. That's when the figure of two girls appeared. Every time they appeared, he would disappear. They were about the same age I was at the time, 15 or 16. One of them spoke to me. Her name was Mary, and she just said that I needed to leave, to get out, and to save myself from him. I totally believed her. That was when one time where Mary possessed me. I have no recollection of it, so I'll just tell you what my parents told me about it as they witnessed it. I was lying in my bed crying, and they were there comforting me. Apparently, my body went stiff for around 5 to 10 seconds, and then I started talking, but it wasn't my voice at all. I was saying, get out, get out. You need to protect yourselves from him. Save yourselves. And then I had a coughing fit and came to. How did you feel when leaving the property? Were you concerned that the negative would move on with you? When my parents and I eventually moved out of the house, it felt like a breath of fresh air, like a weight had been lifted off our shoulders. Luckily, the sale of my parents' business meant we could buy and move into a new house before selling the old mill. I'm very appreciative that we managed to do that because I was just at the point where I needed to be out of that house. Did you end up enlisting any help from a medium to clear your house or perform blessings to rid the house of any negative energy? When we moved into our new home, we got to chatting to one of our neighbors and it turned out that he was a medium. We told him about all of our experiences with the old house and he offered to go down there with one of his medium friends to see if they'd pick up on anything. Now, we didn't tell him all the details, but what he and his medium friend found out was amazing. Turns out, Arthur was a priest who lived there in the 1870s. It turned out 
He had held two girls captive there, Mary and Elizabeth, and he accidentally killed them. He felt so guilty and ashamed of what he did that he ended up hanging himself. You guessed it, in the corner of what would become my bedroom. Were the new occupants made aware of the supernatural history of the house once it was on the market? We managed to sell the house a year ago. We did tell the new owners that we had some spiritual activity, but we didn't tell them the full extent of it all. We didn't want to sell the house to a family who had any young girls, as we didn't want them experiencing anything similar to what I did. Luckily, it was a lovely elderly couple who bought it, and when we told them about it being slightly haunted, they thought it was rather splendid. We've got to ask, would you ever live in a haunted house again, or have you been there, done that, and got the goosebumps? I've now become very aware of the fact that I can sense spirits, even in the home we live in. I sense my grandparents who passed away a few years ago. I wouldn't say I would never again live in a haunted house because I feel all houses have history to them, even new builds, as there will be history to the land they're built on, just as long as the spirits are friendly and wish me no harm. Hannah. First up, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I'm Hannah. I'm 24 and I'm an HR admin at a mental health and physical health hospital in East Sussex. Where do you stand on the supernatural? Is it something you've always believed in or is it something that you became engaged with or interested in once you experienced it firsthand? The supernatural has always interested me. I grew up watching most haunted and ghost hunters, and now I love BuzzFeed's supernatural series. I don't think ghosts are real in the sense that you can see an apparition of someone who died, but I do believe you can communicate with other spirits who would go through a journey to be able to communicate. I also believe in being possessed and objects having spirits attached to them. What property were you living in at the time, and were you aware of its interesting history? When we experienced the odd imaginary friend situation and heard footsteps in the house, etc., we didn't jump to ghosts until quite late on. It was one of those things where if you'd watch it on a film, you'd say, why wouldn't you move out when you can hear things in the attic or running around upstairs? But we really didn't think much of it straight away. Did you ever experience a feeling when you were viewing the property prior to moving in? One of my cousins, who I live with, was only a tiny human when it began, and he was somewhat mischievous. But when he began to say, Bella Lucia made me do it, we were like, um, who? When did you first suspect the property you lived in was haunted and that it wasn't just a one-off incident? Bella Lucia was someone only my cousin Tom could see and talk to, apparently. A girl who I think was about five years old. How long did the paranormal activity go on for and what went down? Well, 
Here's the story. For context, when I was about 13 myself, my sister and my dad moved into a bigger house with my auntie, uncle, and two cousins, who were three and five at the time. It was a house that was relatively old, but nothing ancient. My sister and I shared a room on the bottom floor, and my dad was also in the room next to us, and we had our own bathroom. Upstairs, the kids had their own rooms, and my auntie and uncle had a room upstairs. My youngest cousin Tom was a mischievous kid, and there were stories where he saw people and once said to his mom, Who's that man in the kitchen? And upon investigating, there was no one there. When he moved into this house with us, he would start to misbehave and would say, Bella Lucia made me do it. It was such a specifically odd name, that thought, what three-year-old would come up with that name? Then my sister and I started getting bruises and hearing noises that spooked us, but we hadn't put two and two together yet. One night, I heard running upstairs, and I said to my auntie the next morning that I heard Tom run around and ask if he'd had a rough night, and she said no, he'd slept all night in his bed, and I was like, no, I 100,000% heard a little kid run about last night, and they said he didn't wake them up at all, which he typically would. Bella Lucia would then start talking to Tom more and more and would say, Bella Lucia said it's time to go play upstairs now. We started to ask Tom who Bella Lucia was, and he was saying she's a little girl who likes to play, but we can't see her. We kind of thought he had an imaginary friend. That's cute. But he would do really obscure and dangerous things that weren't like him like trying to throw himself down the stairs, chewing through electrical cords, hitting himself, etc. I kept thinking I could hear people in the kitchen, and when I'd go to look, no one was there. There's been a few people who experienced the kitchen and thought someone was with them in there when there wasn't, and Tom told my sister there's someone in the kitchen, and of course there wasn't. I think I could hear stuff from the attic when I was upstairs, and we even got someone to inspect the loft, thinking there were animals because it was so noisy, but there was nothing. I asked my sister what she remembers, and she said she remembers a balloon that wasn't helium floating upwards and staying in the air and then being pulled about a bit, and Tom said Bella Lucia was holding it. When we started to feel more creeped out in the house, we googled Bella Lucia. The name translates to beautiful light, which is often to do with angels and angelical meanings. We couldn't find anything too other than a book called The Haunting of Bella Lucia. But after we had that thought, we became terrified of Bella Lucia and who she'd ask my cousin to hurt next. It was minimal violence, not much a three-year-old can do. We moved out a year or so after, and my cousin hasn't had any weird contact with Bella Lucia since, and doesn't remember a thing, which is normally weird because kids tend to not forget imaginary friends. Were the new occupants made aware of the supernatural history of the house once it was on the market? It never got to the point where we were too scared to stay there. 
We kind of laughed about it. But then Tom turned creepy. We all would start to freak out a bit. We were more worried about him being hurt, honestly. But he seemed to have a good pact with Bella Lucia. That would mean they'd play together and sometimes be naughty. I never thought about the fact that the next tenants might experience it because I assumed that whatever it was was attached to my cousin. We've got to ask, would you ever live in a haunted house again, or have you been there, done that, and got the goosebumps? I don't think I could live in a haunted house, but I'd love to experience it for a night in a properly haunted place. I always think, though, when you know what kind of ghost and experience to expect, you create the fear yourself, and every noise you hear, you assume is a ghost. I think if I lived somewhere and it had a friendly spirit in there, I wouldn't mind. But the first sign of a paranormal activity moment, and I think it'd be out. Although that's easier said than done, it would make a great viral video. Amy. First up, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Amy, and I'm currently in school studying biology, chemistry, psychology, and English literature. Where do you stand on the supernatural? Is it something you've always believed in, or is it something that you became engaged with or interested in once you'd experienced it firsthand? I have always been interested in the paranormal from a young age. I was always the weird kid who, instead of loving unicorns, would be interested in a tragic accident involving the dead and the hauntings that followed. I was particularly interested in the sinking of the Titanic in 1912. What property were you living in at the time and were you aware of its interesting history? I was living in a three-bedroom house with my parents, and I had heard rumors from the neighbor's kids. Did you ever experience a feeling when you were viewing the property prior to moving in? I remember as soon as I walked in, I was on edge the whole time, and was particularly drawn to the garden. When did you first suspect the property you lived in was haunted, and that it wasn't just a one-off incident? It was when my brother had told me he felt breathing on him in his sleep, and later that day, when I was home alone, I heard a man's deep voice coming from his room. How long did the paranormal activity go on for, and what went down? For as long as I can remember, it has happened in every house I ever lived in. We would smell cigarettes. We have a non-smoker household. Technology would mess up. Our Alexa would play really old music while we were out, and we would come back and it would be playing. Things moved by themselves. Running noises in the middle of the night, laughing, shadow figures, and so much more. Did you ever find out why they were there or who they were? No, although I have wanted to. My nan had a bad experience with communicating with the dead and has warned everyone in my family to never do it. Did you end up enlisting any help from a medium to clear your house or perform blessings to rid the house of any negative energy? No, we haven't. 
I don't believe this energy is negative, and I like having them around. I reckon they are just playful. Were your friends and family ever reluctant to visit or stay at your place? My brother would not sleep in his own room for a very long time. My parents are not very bothered by it. How different was the experience to how horror movies portray haunted houses? They depict it to be a terrifying experience. I disagree. I believe spirits are harmless and just want to have a little bit of fun. Was any part of your personal experience comforting rather than creepy? Yes, honestly. The spirit would do things like turn off plugs I had left on and it made me feel like it was looking out for my safety. How did you feel when leaving the property? Were you concerned that the negative would move on with you? I was hoping it would, which it did. I was honestly sad to leave the house. What was the scariest thing that ever happened in your home? Hmm. It would have to be hearing the giggling at night that freaked me out the most. Were the new occupants made aware of the supernatural history of the house once it was on the market? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Well, we've got to ask. Would you ever live in a haunted house again, or have you been there, done that, and got the goosebumps? I would. I believe I still do, and I love every second of it. This next segment is entitled 10 Real Haunted Houses Across the United States. The Whaley House Museum, San Diego, California. Back in 1852, James Yankee Jim Robinson was hung by his neck for the crime of grand larceny. A few years later, Thomas and Anna Wally built a house on the same spot where Robinson died. And soon enough, Yankee Jim's ghost showed up to haunt the site. It's said that his footprints can be heard stomping around the house. Yankee Jim isn't the only specter, though. Both Mr. and Mrs. Whaley, a young girl, and even the family dog have been known to make appearances from beyond the grave. The house is so thoroughly spooky that, according to Time magazine, the U.S. Commerce Department officially classified the Whaley house as haunted in the 1960s. See the Whaley House Museum for yourself via a tour with ghosts and gravestones, which now also offers night tours of the house for those really looking for a thrill. House of Death, New York City, New York New York's Greenwich Village has some of the most desirable real estate in the world save for one brownstone on West 10th Street, known as the House of Death. The townhouse is said to be haunted by the ghosts of 22 people who lived or died within its walls, including that of a six-year-old girl who was killed by her adopted father. This is New York City, however, so the house has a celebrity pedigree too. 
Author Mark Twain stayed in the house back in 1900, and his spirit reportedly returns for the occasional visit. The home's haunted history is documented in author Jan Bryant Bartell's Spindrift II from a Psychic Sea, which recounts her experiences living in the House of Death's top-floor apartment. The building houses private apartments, so you won't be able to tour the interior, but this street is a popular stop on New York City ghost tours, like the ones provided by New York Ghosts, which swings by on its citywide tour. Winchester Mystery House, San Jose, California. According to legend, this rambling Victorian mansion that sits on a busy street in San Jose, California, is haunted by the ghosts of everyone ever killed by a Winchester rifle. That's undoubtedly a lot of spirits. In order to appease them, the house's owner, Sarah Winchester, the heir to the Winchester rifle fortune and the founder's widow, kept adding on rooms to the house to make more space for the dead. Winchester didn't simply add rooms, though. She created a labyrinth filled with halls that lead to dead ends, cut-off staircases, sloping floors, and a rabbit warren of chambers. According to ABC News, the house has 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 47 fireplaces, 40 staircases, 13 bathrooms, and 9 kitchens. After Sarah died in 1922, the home has hosted tours for those willing to walk among the Winchester ghosts. If you're looking for a less spooky reason behind the house's mysterious design, the podcast 99% Invisible posited the theory that Sarah Winchester simply loved architecture and had more and more rooms added without tearing others down first. Tours of the house are open to the public, as well as axe-throwing parties out in the stables. Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, Fall River, Massachusetts Back in 1892, Andrew and Abby Borden were found dead, killed by an axe-wielding psychopath. The police's number one suspect was Andrew's daughter, Lizzie. Lizzie stood trial for the crimes and was ultimately acquitted, but she spent the rest of her life under the shadow of guilt. She is now said to haunt the Fall River, Massachusetts home, where her father and stepmother were murdered and her ghost can be heard laughing at the top of the stairs. The house also serves as a museum and bed and breakfast, outfitted with ghost cams, where stalwart guests can spend the night listening for Lizzie's ghost and the ghosts of her murdered parents, or the echoes of the maid's screams after she found the Bordens dead in their beds. The home is open for in-person tours, and for anyone who can't make the journey, they also offer equally spooky virtual tour options. Villisca Axe Murder House, Villisca, Iowa The small Iowa town of Villisca, population of around 1,108 people, 
doesn't have much to offer tourists, except for a night of terror at the Belisca Axe Murder House. Back in 1912, the Whitewood House was the site of a horrifying crime that left an entire family, including four children and their two young friends, dead by an axe-wielding murderer. There were several suspects, including an Iowa state senator, but no one was ever charged with the bloody crime. Some 110 years later, the ghosts of the victims are said to remain in the house, yearning for justice. Visitors eager for a taste of the supernatural can book tours of the site, while the bravest can spend the night and see what goes bump. Bell Witch Cave, Adams, Tennessee In the early 1800s, John Bell bought a tract of farmland along Tennessee's Red River. Bell and his family thrived on that farm until they started to see strange-looking animals around the property, most notably a dog with a rabbit's head. From that point on, the family was ambushed by unseen forces, largely targeted at John and his daughter Betsy. They continued physical attacks, heard unexplained noises, and even spoke with the entity. In at least one account, the spirit identified herself as the Bell's former neighbor, Kate Batts, who was exacting revenge from beyond the grave for some unknown slight. The entity is rumored to have prevented Betsy's marriage to a local boy and is believed to have killed John. According to one Bell Witch website, the haunting is backed by plenty of evidence, including eyewitnesses' accounts, affidavits, and manuscripts penned by those who experienced the haunting firsthand. The farm and cave have tours available for May through October. The White House, Washington, D.C. The White House may be home to the president, but it is also rumored to house many illustrious ghosts within its storied walls. President Ronald Reagan reportedly entertained dinner party guests with stories of his dog barking at invisible specters and his daughter, Marine, waking to a transparent figure looking out the window of the Lincoln bedroom. It may have been President Lincoln himself returning to his former home in the hopes of reuniting with his wife and son. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill reportedly encountered Lincoln's ghost as well while he was stepping out of the bathtub. Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd, held seances in the White House, according to Mental Floss. They hoped to contact their son, Willie, who died of typhoid, presumably from contaminated water, pumped into the White House. They never contacted their son, but they did claim to get in touch with President Andrew Jackson, who was loitering in his former bedroom. According to the White House Historical Association, President William Henry Harrison, the first president to die in the White House, continues to keep up residents. It's not just former presidents who haunt the halls of the highest office in the U.S., however. 
Dolly Madison, wife of President James Madison, is said to visit the gardens she helped plant. And Abigail Adams, wife of President John Adams, is known to do her laundry in the East Room. The White House is open for public tours, free of charge. The Sally House, Atchison, Kansas. If you're into ghost hunting shows, you probably already know about this famous haunted house. This unassuming house in Kansas is rumored to be the dark lair for a demon who takes on the form of a little girl, stemming from a family's bizarre experiences there. In the early 90s, new renters Deborah and Tony Pickman claimed they saw strange occurrences in the house, including flickering lights, apparitions, possessions, unexplained voices, and strange scratches, marks, and burns on their bodies. These occurrences seem to have been the work of a ghost of a young girl named Sally. Former renters Bobby and Colleen Humbard, along with their daughter Heather, also claimed to have seen or heard Sally, whom Heather claimed was her imaginary friend. But apparently, Sally isn't some harmless ghost. Theories around her malevolent presence in the house, as well as some evidence of satanic rituals in the basement, suggest that Sally is, in fact, a demon disguised as a young girl. The house offers both self-guided tours and special overnight visits. Franklin Castle, Cleveland, Ohio. This imposing Victorian house is considered to be the most haunted house in Ohio, and it's easy to see why. It was built in the 1800s by Haynes Tiedemann, who was known around Cleveland to be cruel and abusive. When a string of mysterious deaths in Tiedemann's family happened in the house, those rumors crystallized. Among the many people who suddenly lost their lives in the house was Emma, Tiedemann's daughter, who apparently died due to complications with diabetes. Then, Tiedemann's mother and three more of his children died. Tiedemann's wife, Louise, also passed away, apparently due to liver failure, but many rumors circulated that Tiedemann was actually responsible it's also rumored that he murdered other members of his family, including his niece, a possible illegitimate daughter, and his mistress. Tiedemann moved away from the house shortly after his wife's death. Since the tragedies, the house has passed from owner to owner, including a chapter of the German Socialist Party that remained there for 55 years. Locals heard rumors that the house was actually a den for Nazi spies. Most recent investigations have found troubling evidence of foul play, including human bones within the walls. The Franklin House is a private residence, so you can't tour it, but some ghost tours pass by the home to tell its spooky story. You can also catch the house on an episode of Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. The Biltmore Estate, Asheville, North Carolina. 
George Washington Vanderbilt II built this stately vacation home in the 1800s. Since then, it has gained a reputation for being one of the most haunted places in North Carolina and the country. While nothing completely nefarious has happened on the estate, the home's former owners seem to remain very active in the afterlife. After Vanderbilt died in 1914, his estate passed on to his children, who decided to open the home up to the public. That's when the paranormal activity apparently began. Visitors have claimed to hear a woman's voice, possibly Vanderbilt's wife, Edith, calling his name, and some say they've spotted some ghostly apparitions. The estate also features a number of hidden doors and passageways, adding to the home's overall spook factor. Today, anyone can tour the estate either on their own or with a guide. There are also winery tours and places to stay nearby if you're hoping to get a nice long trip out of it. And that, dear listeners, is the end of these true haunted house stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.